Well, good afternoon, everyone. Happy Easter. Bit of a special show today and something to reflect on during your few days off. I'm here for episode 153 with my good friend, Angela Heiser. How are you, Angela? Very well, Darren. It's great to see you. Great to see you and great to have you back on the show. I think we did the show, I think, uh, late last year it was. Mm -hmm. My God. Yeah. Uh, um, now, for everybody out there, topic for today is what is the connection between emotions, needs, and boundaries? <laughs> and everybody that doesn't know Angela, who hasn't seen our last show, Angela is the emotional productivity expert, leadership trainer, and coach. She helps her clients transform their lives and accelerate their careers by providing them with crucial skills and tools to manage themselves and others, creating drama-free, supportive relationships. Angela is passionate about teaching people that there is no positive or negative emotions, that all emotions are useful, and that anger can be a force for good. Before Angela started working as a personal and corporate trainer and a coach 25 years ago, she was amongst other things, a researcher in New York, an import manager in Taiwan, a managing director in Hong Kong, a TV producer in Germany. Oh my God. Angela loves to travel and looks forward to exploring the world again as soon as conditions allow. So welcome back, Angela. My God, you've been all around the place. Yes. <laughs> busy, busy. My mother used to joke that I was born with itchy feet. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought maybe let's dive in. Maybe just give us a little bit of a rundown for the people who haven't watched our last show. And if anybody hasn't after this episode, I urge you to do so. Tell us a bit about, you know, your background and why you do what you do. And then we'll jump into some great conversation for today. Okay. So you've already identified that I love traveling. Um, it's been 50 countries so far. Wow. I've lived, I've lived in nine and I've worked in 16 countries, but I was born in Germany. Wow. And I was born into one of those typical dysfunctional families. And you know how they define dysfunctional <laughs> family, right? How do they define dysfunctional family? Any family with, one, with more than one member. Because we have we have all of these habits that we that we do and behaviors in a family and we never really talk about them we just pass them on from generation to generation yep. this is how grandma used to do it so therefore mom used to do, does it and then so the child does it as well gotcha. yep. i mean my favorite story is you know when, when the child watches the daughter watches her mother cut the end of the roast and says mom why do we cut the ends of the sunday roast and mother said i don't know we've always done that go ask grandma Yep. So she goes, that's grandma who refers her to great grandma who says, oh, I remember when I was, when I had my first kitchen, I only had a baking dish, dish that was this small and a roast never fitted into it. So I always had to cut the ends off. Love it. I love that. <laughs> and that's what we do with emotional patterns, with behaviors. This is how we pass it on. And I decided at a pretty young age that I was not going to do that. I wanted to live a conscious life. And if I ever was going to have children, they were not going to inherit my crap. Right. And, and what was it? Do you remember that triggering moment or that, you know, that time when you thought, that's it, I'm not going to do that? Or was it a gradual process? It was a gradual process. I, I was a very, I almost said rabbit, avid reader when I was, when I was a child. I, I spent a lot of time reading and yeah. I probably read a lot of books that were not suitable for a 10 or 12 year old. Right. But I had the free run of the library. So okay. my parents would just drop me off and I would stay there, pick up books and then come home. So there was no testing on whether that was child appropriate or not. And so I learned a lot and I finished the personal development section of this, of the town library at the age of 15. Wow. 
And it was like, there's, there's something else out there. Look, I love my family dearly, but we were not the most functional. And I just decided that I didn't want to live my life. I'd like that. I wanted to have a different one. Right. And so I educated myself. Love it. Love it. And I mean, judging by the books behind you, I think you've never given those books back. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Um, So, I mean, let's dive in because I really want to get into the topic for today, which is the connection between emotions, needs and boundaries. Mm -hmm. And it's quite, you know, quite technical when we really get into it and, and analyze it, but for a good reason. So, you know, let's start with needs, because I think that's the, you know, the beginning of this conversation. Mm -hmm. Why do we generally not, we're not aware of our needs, or we're not consciously thinking about our needs until something happens, and we realize, I need to change something. Why is it that, you know, as you mentioned, we just do what we do, grandma did it, great grandma did it, and we don't even ask the question, why is that? Yeah, because it's normal. And with needs, it's, um let me put it this way when we grow up in a society the word self is only useful when it includes less mm-hmm. so yes. in order to fit into a group i have to drop the self i have to become selfless mm-hmm. and the only way i get actual actual recognition is when i do that yep. however when i have a self i am being considered selfish nice so needs i need to fulfill my needs in order to survive and those needs are physical so they go with food drink water um sleep so that those are the basic ones and then they go up to um social connections belonging um also a sense of the the, on the highest level self-actualization where i who am i what's my potential so we and when we're around people it's all about how can we fulfill these people's needs? Because we learn as children that we have to be there for other people. Now, parents will see this the other way around. They will say, I'm constantly there for my child and I always have to make sure that their needs are being met. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the role of a parent in a way is selfless. Yeah, exactly. Because children don't know how to fulfill their needs. Mm. But when we then grow up, it's our job then to fulfill our own needs. But we don't really think about that. We still outsource that to other people. That's right, because we're so used to it. We're we're so used to other people doing it for us in a way. Exactly. And so, I mean, I love the, um, you know, like I've done the the whole um, online dating thing. And I thought if I (laughs) see one more time an ad for a guy who's looking for his better half, I'm going to (laughs) scream. Because why would I want to give up half of myself? hundred. I love that. So true. I hate hate it when people say, yes. There was a line from a movie. I can't remember which one it was, but it said, you complete me. I hate that line. Oh, it's horrible. I know because I'm already a whole. I've worked yes. really hard to be a whole, right? Exactly. With the I don't w, need someone with to an... complete me. What? Well, that's that's terrible. Yeah, I know. Sure. So there's a so we don't really listen and, and and observe our needs and are aware of our needs unless we're looking for somebody to help us make us happy. And yes. I, I, you know, make us. Nobody can make us feel happy. Make us feel complete. Yeah. You know, make us feel successful. So at work, it's also my boss doesn't support me, so I can't be successful. Well, we're outsourcing the responsibility a lot. So true. So and true. so we don't know what our needs are unless somebody says, no, I'm no longer doing that. And then it's like, what do you mean you're no longer doing this? Yeah. Yeah. So it's really up to us to do the work, to do the internal work. Yes. And reflect on these things. So we really ask ourselves those questions. Yeah. yeah. And... 
the people often get into the space of they they don't get into what what fulfills their needs they we often people vacillate between two needless and needy yeah yeah so it's the no no i don't need that i'm perfectly okay here's here's something that i put then on yeah no i'm perfectly okay <laughs> no i really don't need anything yep. just leave me alone love it love right it. and then of course there's the needy which is oh please and i can't do this which is the flip side of need exactly. uh, of, yeah. of needless because you know when 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 your needs haven't been fulfilled for a very long time then you will get into that needy space so I talk to people and they say, well, I can't really talk to people anymore. They turn around and walk away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I suppose when you really have, when you're the master of your domain, you know when you need to ask for help and you yeah. know when you are there to give help. Absolutely. That's, that's a nice balance, but to find yeah. that balance is probably not that simple. No. And it's the important thing is to recognize that it's perfectly okay to have somebody to say, you know, I, yeah, I can give myself a hug. Mm. You know, if my need is for touch and for some some connection at that point, but to say to somebody, "Would you give me a hug?" That's perfectly okay. Yeah. But jumping somebody and going here, let me just give you, you know, yeah, the exactly. little monkey hug, yeah. not so appropriate. Exactly. You ask permission but, first. But, <laughs> yeah, but that that filters through into all sorts of areas in life. So true. So true. Yep. Everything. You know. Yep. Mm -hmm. Very true. And and so, what are some of the the tips that you might give people to what questions or the strategies that they can use to make sure they think about their needs are there anything mm -hmm. that you want to that's where emotions come in aha uh -huh. uh -huh. see I, I i have this model that i use where i basically say imagine you're sitting on a stool with three legs okay one is emotions one is needs and one is boundaries nice you kick one of those off you'll fall over okay so when, when let's start with with um, emotions okay so people talk about positive and negative emotions and as you read i don't have that it's yeah. either pleasant or unpleasant so this is something that actually comes from nonviolent communication nice so there there's always a positive intent behind any emotion no matter how negative it looks on the surface so if i now feel my emotion and it feels unpleasant so i'm frustrated or angry like we talked about something that didn't happen for me this week and I was really frustrated. Well, I had a need for contribution, for making a difference yep. and that didn't work. Yep. But if it had happened, I would have felt content, fulfilled, satisfied, joyed, and you know, all of these. So when my need is fulfilled, things are great. When my needs not feeling great, uh, fulfilled, then I don't feel so great. Gotcha. So it's checking in. So if I know how I feel, then I can generally go, so what's the need that's not being fulfilled? Nice. I like it. I like it. And our, and our daily emotional state can give us the clue. Yes. That doesn't mean that one emotion only fulfills one need and one need only is fulfilling one emotion or connected to one emotion. There are lots, gotcha. you know, so you can, you can have a need for learning that could be fulfilled in God knows how many different ways, gotcha. you know, gotcha. watching a movie, um, you know, doing a course, yep. listening, having, to a reading a, listening, having a conversation, listening to an audio book, a podcast, whatever. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And I can feel really enthusiastic about all sorts of different things with different needs. So I can, I can be enthusiastic about doing this and having a wonderful time. I can be enthusiastic about getting on the next plane and going somewhere else. Yep. So again, it's about being really in the situation and really noticing what's going on for me right now. How am I feeling? what's important to me.
and taking the time, I think, to stop and ask that question because we're all so used to running from one thing to another. We never actually give ourselves a second to actually analyze how do we feel? What are, what's our emotional state? Are there any needs not being met? Yeah. And we, we don't listen to ourselves. And mm. what we do is we don't feel. Mm. So if I can't feel my feelings, then I'm probably cut off from my needs as well. True. Love it. Okay. And so, and where does boundaries fit into that? Well, when I know what my need is, then I can also say this is okay and this is not okay and how it's being fulfilled. Mm -hmm. So let's say I have a need for connection. And, you know, then I say to somebody, you know, I, you know, would you give me a hug? Well, if the person starts hugging me for five minutes, you know, and won't let me go, that might be a little bit much. <laughs> right? <Stalker. laughs> yeah. But if I say, you know, if I then put the boundary in place and I, I, I start detaching after, let's say, 20 seconds, I'm putting a boundary in place. Yeah, because 20 yeah. seconds is your limit, buddy. Well, 30 <laughs> seconds is good because that creates oxytocin. Right. But it has to be two willing participants. Right. Okay. So for example, I, I, I generally say when, when somebody says to their child, oh, come on, give Auntie Angela a hug. And the child looks at me and go, and it's like, it's very clear they don't want to do that. I say, that's perfectly okay. Yeah, it's probably better. They than, will come in yeah. their own time. Please do not force them to do something they want to do, because especially if it's a girl, she's going to learn that her physical boundaries, her body is not hers because... If somebody can say, go and give uncle so-and-so a hug in 10 years, 15 years time, that may mean that, you know, she allows people to take liberty with her body because it's been okay. So true. Wow. Yep, absolutely. So all these such simple things that, you know, we do when we're young or we're taught, sometimes we don't realize the repercussions. Yeah. So again, so, so if I'm aware of my, and boundaries can be physical, mental, and emotional. Gotcha. So um, you can, I can have mental, mental boundaries around things I do not want to discuss. Mm -hmm. yep. You know, there are certain topics around at the moment where people have very, very different opinions mm -hmm. and relationships break apart because of those. But if I can put a boundary in there and saying, you have your opinion, I have mine. That's perfectly okay. Yep. Let's just leave it at that. Yep. We will we, still we be agree to disagree. Exactly. You know, end of that. Yeah, we can still have a relationship. Yep. But some people don't respect those boundaries and they go, oh, but, you know, and, and why not? And <laughs> yeah, so true. So true. And so those three things obviously have to exist together yes. all the time. Well, they do exist together all the time. And then when they are in balance, we are working at our optimum in a way. Yeah, ideally. I mean, look, let me put it this way. When our emotions and our needs and our boundaries are in, in perfect harmony, we're probably sitting somewhere by ourselves and meditating. That's right, yeah. We're on the top <laughs> of the mountain in India, yeah. levitating. <laughs> no other people around. That's or right. you have the other thing, of course, could be, and that's something people often don't do either, is they don't negotiate ground rules. Oh, I see, true. And so that's where you have to do those things up front. Yeah. And it's about saying... Like, I mean, I have been, I've been in relationships where I've said, for me, an absolute deal breaker is when somebody gets really loud and starts yelling, screaming, shouting. Yeah, yeah. So that's true. a total, that's a total deal breaker. Absolutely. And people have looked at me and gone, sure. Yep, yep. And I, and I always say, you teach people how to treat you. Absolutely. And if you don't do that, it's, you know, you're teaching them that it's okay. Exactly. And so it's, it's being able to say that and saying, you know what, when I saw you do that, is that part of your habitual pattern? And people go, no, that was just an accident. Okay. Right. Nice. I, 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 okay. 
once something happens once it's an accident something happens twice it's a coincidence <laughs> three times is the beginning of a pattern yep so I generally give, I generally say, give people a few more chances than that. But if it's something where you've got an absolute no-go zone, yep. and for me, that's the yelling, screaming, shouting, because that was part of my upbringing that, right. that put me into that, you know, survival state all the time. I can right. deal with it, yeah. but I don't want to. But you choose not to. I choose not to. And yeah. I will say, that's, by the way, this is, you know, this is really close to where my boundary kicks in. Wow. Love it. Love it. Yep, so, so true. I mean, you know, having those conversations and communicating mm. is so important. And that's the thing we just forget to do. Yeah. We're almost scared to communicate and, and um, outlay our boundaries to people. Yes. Now, the, the important thing is, again, it's one thing that's important for me, again, the, the yelling, screaming, shouting, that's the one big line that I've got. That's the line in the sand. Yeah. But other than that, I have requests. Okay. Like I cannot, I cannot expect somebody to manage themselves around me and pretzel themselves in such a way so that I can have all my needs fulfilled and I'm happy. Everything is wonderful. Sure. Makes sense. Yep. Um, request is something where I ask, would it be okay if, and then the answer is yes or no, but we, it's always expecting a no. Right. And then it's about negotiating. Yeah, and it's a discussion. It's a negotiation. Exactly. Yep. It's not, but that often doesn't happen. It's the proverbial toothpaste, um, you know, you know, this, the whole thing about you haven't put the toothpaste uh, back on again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's been building for 10 years. Yeah, you didn't take the garbage out last night. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. You never take the garbage out. Yeah, yeah. So Goes true. to never. Yeah. So it's the ability to actually negotiate these things. And I know that sometimes people, when I talk to my clients about that and they say, Oh, do I have to make a mountain out of a molehill? And I'm going, well, would you like to deal with the molehill or do you want to wait until it's become a mountain? So true. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so true. Very, it's already bothering you now. So yeah. do you really want to wait? Nip it in the bud now before it gets bigger. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Awesome. And so, I mean, what do you have any strategies for people who can, you know, in, adopt in their daily lives some form of methodology to? to keep this in best harmony they can? Mm -hmm. How do people go about this? I mean, talking about it, you know, we, we understand it perfectly, but how do people, how can people actually actively do this? Okay. First and foremost, notice your emotions. So that's, that's, the, that's really the skill. It's the ability to feel what's going on. Yep. We're really good pushing down our emotions. Okay. We're also really good at medicating. Yep. And you see this everywhere. Sure. I mean, I'm reading a book at the moment. Every time somebody gets upset, they go, go quick, catch, fetch the brandy. Mm. You know, so we medicate with alcohol, with yeah. drugs, with sugar, with, with yeah. gambling, with sex, with anything. Yep. So That's so that we don't have to feel our emotions because they feel uncomfortable. If, especially when they feel uncomfortable, then I definitely don't want to feel them. Yeah. But when I become aware that, that um, things are uncomfortable and I go, okay, this feels uncomfortable. It's a great signal for me to notice that something's not working. Then I can do something about it. What can I start to do to change it? Yeah. yeah. And the other thing I find that really helps is having a gratitude ritual. Okay. So what are some good examples of that? Well, you can do it anyway. You can light a candle and sit in front of the candle and just think back to your day and go, what are the things that I'm really grateful for? Where did I fulfill my needs? Nice. Because what it does, it starts strengthening that that muscle. It's that, okay, that worked. And if something didn't work, 
then you could say, so what could I do differently in order for that to make, to, to take place or to happen? So true. Or you might want to sit down at the end of the day with a piece of paper and just write down all the good things that happened. Exactly. Or whatever, reflect yeah. on something. Yeah. Or in the shower, make it a point to spend 30 seconds or a minute just processing yes. Yeah, you know, those things. So everybody has a different way of doing it. Absolutely. And again, just being in the moment, like I'm, I, I love talking with you, you know, I, I get so much joy out of that. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Me too. And just, just that, you know, just noticing that because we are not really good with noticing the, the, the good stuff. So We're true. much better noticing the bad stuff because that's how the brain is wired. Yes. Yeah. You know, notice what doesn't work. That's the pattern yep. because that could potentially be a problem. Oh, it feels good. Oh, I can just keep going. Yeah, exactly. Because we're wired for to for our brain to tell us where there's danger. Exactly. Yeah. We're not wired for when when things are going well. Oh, look at those flowers! Isn't that wonderful? No. Yeah. <laughs> look at that saber-toothed tiger. No. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, fantastic. And and so, do you work with people one on one or in groups to help them with a lot of these issues? Mm-hmm. Both. Okay. So I work with people in groups. And um, I, what I really love, and that's my favorite, is, is when I get to work with people in groups and in between one-on-one. -on -one. Nice. So that whatever they learn in the training, we then get to debrief and we get to look at in a coaching context, how does that affect them in their life and maybe put some extra tools in there. But I, I've been collecting tools for over a very, very long time. Wow. And I've created a program that has all of these, I call it the 11 practices of emotional productivity, that has all of these skills in there that I have missed out on wow. as a child. And that I know my clients all go, yeah, I never learned that. What is that actually a skill I can learn? Wow. So yeah. I like working with people, sharing these experiences in a group because people realize that they're not alone. They're not the only ones who feel lonely or feel that nobody understands them or get into conflict situations and have no idea how to resolve them and then just walk away because they, it's just too hard. So true. Yeah, so or I'll say, wow, that's what listening is. That's listening. Oh God, I have not been listening my whole life. I didn't know that that was what, in, what, what it was yeah, about. Yeah. So for me, that's, that's, uh, that's my, that's such, such a gratifying thing. Yeah. It's amazing. They say, we don't know what we don't know. Yeah. yeah. So true. So true. Now I believe you have a, um, a course coming up, a webinar coming up. So maybe tell us a bit about that so people can. Well, it's, it's actually more than a webinar. It's an actually three months course. Oh, okay, great. Yes. So it's that course. It's the emotional productivity course. Lovely. And it's about um, these 11 practices. And it's, uh, it's a course that allows you to integrate all of these, these techniques and these, um, these areas that I have learned over the years are really, really important. Um, and I use them both in a personal and leadership context. So leadership obviously is somewhat different from the personal background, but I can tell you quite honestly, a lot of times people learn skills in a one context, they transfer them into the other Definitely. automatically. I suppose it, once you integrate something into your daily practice and it becomes part of you, there's no differentiation as to which part of your life you use it. No, no, there isn't. I had a client once who, um, was one of my leadership um, train coaches and he was signed up for a year long program. Mm -hmm. So that was his, his, his um, employer had to organize that for him. And, and I said, so what do you want to work on? He's like, I'm good. <laughs> my team is working really well. Everything's good. And I'm like, okay, so you don't have to be here. You know, there's, I, I don't do the, the recruiting by force. Yeah. <laughs> if somebody doesn't want to be there, that's perfectly okay. So 
the only thing you have to do is you go to your boss and explain why you don't want to do this. That's your responsibility. <laughs> but if you want to, I don't differentiate between who you are at work and who you're at home. You're a whole person. And we learn by transferring all the time. I love that. I love you it. Know? I, love I mean, that. you may not have seen this before, but you will know what that is because you've seen other things before, right? And to, so use, the, to use that as an example, what, you know, with being very confidential, what, what, what did you end up doing with him? Well, he said, I really would like to work on my relationship with my son. Oh, okay. And I said, okay, 16 year old teenage son. Can't really communicate with him, find him really difficult to understand. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we started with that. And then eventually, of course, other things started coming in that were a little bit work related because it was a year. Yeah. But towards the end of the year, he um, said, my wife would really like to come to the next session. Would that be okay? Do you know? There you go. And I went, is that a good sign? Just asking very carefully. He says, I don't know. She hasn't told me. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. So she came in. She looks at me, bursts into tears. And I'm standing there going, I have no idea what to make of this at the moment. <laughs> she comes up and she, no, you know, boundaries, gives me the biggest hug and says oh to me, God. thank you so much. I finally have a husband who listens. Hallelujah. My son finally has a father who doesn't judge him immediately. Unbelievable. And so this took a year? Yes. That was, I mean, that was monthly, you know, it's not, it's not daily. I don't believe in creating dependencies. My job is to make myself redundant as quickly as possible. Gotcha. So really only a small amount of sessions, 12 yeah. to 15 sessions. And yeah. look what the, the, the change has been, my God. Yeah. And the nice part was he got promoted two weeks after that meeting. There you go, you see? Perfect, perfect yeah. example. So you can just imagine how his relationships at work changed as well. Absolutely. And he time. said that afterwards. Yeah. He said, I didn't want to acknowledge it, but they really did. I often find that when I work with people and they think they're just working in one area, that it actually then goes into another area of their life. And, and what I really love is when it goes to the next generation. Ah, perfect. And that's, when that's people great. just starting to, um, you know, like when, when parents walk their talk. And I have, I have, I personally, I don't have children. That was not something that happened for me. Yeah but I, I get to work with a lot of parents yep. and I do not claim to understand what it's like to raise a child, but probably because I'm so distant, I can actually look at things in a different way. And I can say, really, maybe, mm, couldn't you? And maybe it's possible. But when I, when I love it, when, when, when parents come and they say, my child is telling me exactly in your words, I hear your words coming out of my child's mouth. That's awesome. I love it. That's awesome. I'm going, okay, well, that's not my problem in that yeah. sense. Is that something that's negative? And they go, no, no, no. It's just really disconcerting. Wow. Yep. Yep. That's not, so it's amazing. It just goes to show you how much effect or impact one generation has on the next. Absolutely. Yep. And if we can, what I call break the trance, the generational trance, mm -hmm. we'd have a very different world we would live in. I mean, imagine a world where we could, and this is this is what's also been really important to me is the ability to speak up right. and say and that's the boundary something's not working right now we're, we're living in a world now where we are giving our rights away with both hands and a lot of people do not stand up for that anymore they just go that's okay whereas younger people fortunately are learning to do more but again there's a there's a way in which you can talk have a constructive discussion and then there's a way in which you can demonstrate your discontent 
True. And you can also be um, responsible about it and irresponsible yeah. about it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think these are the skills that we need to teach people these days. Yeah. And, you know, taking your phone and going, let me just answer you while you're sitting across the table. No. That's not how we, that's how, not how we have constructive conversations. Agreed. That's not how we, we create a democratic system where everybody has a voice and where when we make decisions, they are in the way that, that we can say, yep, we've thought about this and not, oh, you know what, it's in the too hard basket, you make the decision. So that's true. the old parent-child model. Yep, so true, so true, love it. I've still, I've still got that image of the chicken or the, the uh, what was it, the fitting in, cutting off the end, both sides of the, um, the roast. The roast, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> that's gonna stick with me. It's a perfect example <laughs> of, you know, not questioning. Yes. And again, it's, it's, it's not about sitting and destroying the system, but it's yeah. about teaching people how to think, not what to think. Yeah. Cause that's the only way we're actually going to evolve. So true. Otherwise we're just going to create the same dysfunctional system over and over again, just because there's some people sitting there and saying, Oh, you, you have no right to ask these questions. And I say, well, what right do I have not to ask that question is, you know, that's right. It's my, so, right. it's my right to live however I like. And if I need exactly. to ask those questions. But if I can manage I my emotions, my boundaries and needs, I can have some really interesting conversations. Love it. Love it. So true. Beautiful. I mean, I just love that image of the three-legged stool. So simple. And it allows us to really keep that, keep those three things in balance. Mm. In, you know. um, so Angela, if people want to get in touch with you and find out more about your up and coming course, what's mm -hmm. the best way for them to do that? Well, they can go to my website, AngelaHeiser.com, or they can connect with me on LinkedIn, which I think is Angela.Heiser. Yep. And I'll, I'll put those um, links yeah. in the notes for everybody. Or my Facebook page. I'm, you know, Instagram. You're, all, I, you're very social. Yeah. And I, what I'm doing this year is, I don't know if you remember last year, I did my hashtag 52 emotions. Yep. This year I'm doing hashtag 52 needs. And guess what? Next year will be? Hashtag 52 boundaries. Yes. Well, Angela, thank you so much again for um, coming back again. It has been a great conversation. Always fascinated to talk to you. And, you know, we could go, uh, go on for this stuff for another hour. Yeah. But I urge people to really look into Angela's work, think about coming to her up and coming course, which will be extremely useful. And I'm going to put all the notes and the uh, links to all those in the show notes for everybody as well. Yeah. May I just say one word at the end? People generally go, these are really, really important skills, but do I really need them? Yes, we do, because they, they work in every area of life. So at work, they help you get promoted. They help you have relationships. They do all sorts of stuff, and they are highly underrated. 100%. I, I, like the softer skills, I put in adverted commas. Yeah. The softer skills these days are so important, more yeah. important than anything else. And especially when we communicate through Zoom, hundred percent. We need to learn more and more of that. And so I, I really, I, this is my passion. Yep. So I'm inviting everybody because I know what a difference these skills make. Love it. So true. Love it. And you're very good at it. And I can see that you're, how excited you are about it as well. <laughs> which is awesome. So uh, Angela, thanks again for coming on the show. You know, it's been an absolute pleasure. And hopefully that's a, a great topic to reflect on for people during their Easter break while you've got a bit of downtime. We can actually take the time to think about how you're feeling and um, connect those with your needs and your boundaries as well. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so everyone out there, have a fantastic uh, long weekend. Angela, thanks again for coming on the show. And we'll see Thank everybody for another episode very, very soon. Bye for now.